Hey there, welcome to the Snake Bird Podcast. My name's Steve. And I'm Josh. And together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place because this is Snake, Snake Bird. Bird. Hey, welcome, Snake Birds, to a brand new episode of the cast. In today's profile episode, we're examining the brief section of the book of Acts that introduces us to a married couple who might have originally had a good intention, but ended up with a bad invention of the truth. (laughs) Stephen, I have to ask, who are we profiling today? Well, hello, snake birds. We hope you are well this fine day and hope you're ready for this super spicy episode where we profile the husband and wife partners in crime. Ananias and Sapphira. Every time you say spicy, I want to go spicy. Spicy. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) This is going to be a spicy and intense story. Um, We're going to see some head-scratching moments in the early church, and the story's just, it kind of blows your mind what happens. Yeah, yeah. And I was dwelling on this this whole week, but uh, forgive me if this is right out of left field, but there's a video Uh, of a person online who unpeels a banana and then lackadaisically throws it on the ground in front of them. They then proceed to go on with their forward motion, not paying attention to where they're walking and unwittingly stepping on the banana peel and wiping out. And I've I've watched this several times because it's kind of funny, but I do not think it's intentional because it really looks like they slam, you know? It, That's it, embarrassing. I don't think they like permanently hurt themselves or, or injure themselves for the next, but they they land on their tuckus pretty good. And, and this is um, like what Ananias and Sapphira do, Josh? Well, that's what, the, that's what this video <laughs> reminded me of because I don't know if you know the story and well, that's what we're going to get to is is that they're the architects of their own fate in this story. This is definitely one of those cases where because of sin and stupidity and just plain pride, they made their situation so much harder than it ever would have been. Like, if they didn't do what they did, none of this would have ever happened. Yeah, that's very true. And if you haven't heard this story before, it's one that you're not soon going to forget. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, as you can tell, with our energy already talking about our frustration <laughs> with with these uh, this couple. It is it is an, a crazy story. Yes, yeah, and and you're reading the book of Acts and everything's so positive, and then you get to chapter five and you're like, whoa, yeah, that took a major turn. No doubt, that, especially for the early church to uh, to see right out of the gate in in a moment like this. It yes, was just it's a wild and. and if you don't know what we're talking about, you'll agree with us when we get there. Yeah, yeah. Very sobering, as we would say. Yes, it is. So, Josh, shall we set the scene yes. to Ananias and Sapphira? Please. Okay. So, the story itself is in Acts chapter 5, but to get the context of what happened exactly, let's gather what led up to this point. Uh, so far, Jesus ascended back up to heaven. I feel like I start half of our <laughs> New Testament profiles <laughs> like that. But the uh, you know the apostles are waiting uh, until Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit dropped, kicked the Christian faith into go time. Uh, Peter, after Pentecost, he gives that first sermon, that bomb sermon mm-hmm. that's just like usually not him. Um, and we see at this point that very uh, first assimilation of believers who decide in their heart, you know, this is the path I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Acts two forty three through 47 says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common, and they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all. So we, we see 
that a community was being built with these believers, and not not like an HOA that we would understand now, <laughs> yeah. but a real community that provided for one another. And in this era of time, with what was going on, making this leap of faith in following Jesus had a very real price that everyone had to pay. If you were a widow in the Jewish community before this, then the Jews had their system, you know, of looking out for their own. But if that same widow decided to follow Jesus, all of that changed in the mm-hmm. snap of a finger. Yeah, Becoming a follower of Jesus at this point in time meant that you were in no man's land. You uh, were now an outcast no matter what your background was, whether Roman, Greek, Jew, or anything in between. If you decided to become one of these Christians, then you just basically tore your social acceptance card up and threw it in the trash. Wow. And so these early believers immediately had to start caring for each other mm-hmm. in, a, in a really big way from the get-go. Um, the, the idea is repeated again in uh, Acts 4, 32-35. It talks about a congregation of believers who had one heart, one soul of one mind, you know, selling their possessions all together as one. So it's definitely a people who knew the real meaning of community. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because going back to Jesus' ascension, mm-hmm. it seemed like they were on kind of shaky ground. And all of a sudden they found their footing and they began to flourish. Yeah. And just massive high after massive high of like day of Pentecost and yeah. and Peter just powerfully preaching and then um, healing that man who was lame for over 40 years and people around the temple being able to witness that. And and even as, as their lows... I mean, you saw John and Peter get arrested, but yet they were able to withstand the harsh criticism of the religious council, and and everyone just seemed to be growing and taking care of one another until we come to this story in Acts chapter 5. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and I think about that, too, because there were so many unknowns in in the early church. And I Mm -hmm. think of that verse, um, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will fall into place. Yeah. Uh, Paraphrased. But... um, (laughs) That's basically what they were doing. They There were so many unknowns. They were scared, but they were stepping out in faith. And this community, like you said, just started to flourish. Mm-hmm. And right, as you say, as it started going good and they were caring for one another, no one had a need for anything. Mm-hmm. Then, boom, this happens. Yeah. yeah. So um, leading into the story, Josh, we should probably get some context in just, uh, what do you say, the last uh, few verses of chapter four leading into it? Yeah. Because somebody does something. That kind of spurs, I think, the story. Yeah, it trips what's going on. Um, and we, we'll say this, and I think Stephen will even say it later on in the, in the profile, but we know that the Bible didn't originally get written with chapters and verses and, and chapter breaks. Yeah. And so this all just led into one of the next thing. And, and so I thought we should read Acts 4, uh, 32 through 37, and then continue on into chapter 5, if that's all right. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So from the NIV, uh, verse 32 of chapter 4 says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. 
From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So so that's Acts chapter 4 leading up to chapter 5. Do you want to go ahead and continue reading from there? Sure. Yeah, I'll take it from here. This will be Acts 5, 1 through 11. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the proceeds for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. That sounds familiar. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias collapsed and died. And great fear came over all who heard about it. The young men got up and covered him, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now an interval of about three hours elapsed, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for this price. She said, Yes, for that price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she collapsed at his feet and died. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And a great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard about these things. So, I mean, it's just like, here's Acts, we're trucking along, and then boom, this happens. Yeah. Son of encouragement. Not so much encouragement. <laughs> well, and that's so Barnabas, and we, we're obviously we're, we just read the whole thing. We're yeah, gonna, we're going to backtrack and dissect like we do. But mm-hmm. I mean, Barnabas, we find out later he's a, he's a very good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a righteous man, and he did this not in a heart of of you know the the spotlights Look on at me. me. Yeah, yeah, and and Ananias and Sapphira. They do the exact same thing that he does. Mm-hmm. And uh, some commentators suggest that Ananias and Sapphira were mimicking Barnabas in order to get that, that you know, pat on the shoulder and look mm-hmm. at me. And that's, Recognition. that's not really a stretch. I think that's kind of obvious because, like you said, there's not originally, it wasn't chapter breaks or anything. It's literally Luke is writing this story, laying yeah. it out, and it's Barnabas did it. And then right after he did it, they did it. Yeah. Yeah, some of the um, people that I read actually mentioned even the first verse of uh, chapter five, the first word is but. And, and they're talking about how like the sun is shining and it's nice and warm on the chapter four side. But then that word but comes in and all of a sudden you get a cold chill because yeah. you're like, ooh, it right. just got a little, a few shadows came in because now you have this uh, husband and wife whose names are really fascinating because Ananias, his name means God is gracious. And Sapphira, her name means beautiful. And you have this power couple who I've heard in a teaching a long time ago, and I was trying to find it before we did this teaching or before we presented this profile. But I remember the pastor saying, this was the kind of couple that almost any pastor would want to have in their church. Right. Very influential, very um, good looking, uh, very well spoken, uh, probably very prominent, and um, just 
he was a football player in high school and she was a cheerleader. <laughs> and I don't, I, yeah, I don't know where he's getting all of that, but I thought, well, that's a really interesting way to paint them. But all of a sudden they have this view of Barnabas and, and maybe they got the angel voices as Barnabas laid down this, this large donation at the apostles feet. Yeah. And they hear, ah, and then they, you know, they're sitting in the pews and they're both like slapping each other's arms. Like, we should do that. We should do that. We've got that piece of property that yeah. Aunt Lola gave us and we don't care about it anymore. We could, we could actually get some recognition, Yeah, you know? And the next thing you know, all of a sudden they're planning this. And, and this is why I say, this is all of their own creation. Yeah. Well, it, it also reminds me of a story I, I heard a pastor um, say once in one of his sermons that somebody wanted to donate a million dollars to their church. Mm. And uh, I think this was like Skip Heitzig or something, but he said that they, they requested that their name be put on the wing that was going to be built. Oh, yeah. You know, because they wanted the recognition. Yeah. And he was like, no, we're good. Uh, we don't need the million dollars. Yeah. And they were like, what do you mean? You're a church. I'm yeah. giving you money. This is what y'all yeah. do. And he's like, no, that's not what we do. Yeah. You know? And so, and it's, it's kind of that thing with Ananias and Sapphira here. It has that, that flavor of, Hey, look, look at what happened with him. Yeah. Let's get in on, let's get in on that. You know, you just reminded me of a, of a story that I'd forgotten, but it's two brothers that were really corrupt that said that they went to a church, but they really didn't. But one of the brothers dies and the guy goes to the pastor and he's almost trying to strong arm, strong arm him into doing the service. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm going to give you $5 million for your church, but I need you to do something. I need you to say one nice thing about my brother as you do the service. Yeah. And I, and I think it might've been three, but I can only remember the one. <laughs> and uh, so the pastor goes, you know what? I can't do that. And then a, a day later he comes back and he goes, you know what? I'll do it. $5 million. And so the day of the service comes and he gets up to speak and he goes, you know what? I just want you to know the brother who died, he was, he was, all I can say is that he was half as bad as the man who's sitting here in the front row. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guy, you know, of course, that's the punchline. But, I mean, you yeah. talk about trying to influence, trying to buy happiness or buy recognition, especially mm-hmm. in God's kingdom. Uh, I didn't get to say this quote earlier because I forgot. <laughs> but I found this from George McDonald, not old McDonald. He didn't have a farm, but it says half the mystery in the world is caused by people trying to look instead of trying to be what one is not. Ooh. Yeah. I thought chew that was, that. yeah, that's one to chew on. I like that. Cause I feel like with them, it was all about appearance. Mm-hmm. They were the original Instagram influencers. They were the original, like, Hey, check out, uh, you know, our fancy clothes, check out what we've got. Whereas Barnabas did this out of the graciousness of his heart. And he yeah. just, he saw a need and he met a need where I feel like maybe with Ananias and Sapphira, it wasn't quite that. You know, and I think that's why this story winds up the way it does is because in the world, that's the way things work. Mm-hmm. You can you can pay money, you can do things, you know, public donations, mm-hmm. you can have these big dinners where you bring in a speaker and all of this yeah. stuff. And um, that's how it works in the world. But in God's economy, that's not how it works. Yeah. And we're going to get into a lot of, you know, we're, we're going to, uh, because speculation in some parts of this is all that can be had. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get into why um, some of the reasons we think this went so far south. Yeah. Um, to even go off of what you're saying, as we just kind of look back and, and maybe pull apart a few of the verses, 
One of the verses, it's actually verse two, says, with his wife's full knowledge. First and foremost, we want to make sure that that we know that they were partners in this deception, and they both wanted the image of generosity without being as generous as they could have been. I don't know why that became an issue, but uh, it says in verse two, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back. The ancient Greek word for kept back is nas physomai which means to misappropriate. The same word was used of Achan's theft in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. I, I'm sorry oh. if I'm already mentioning Achan, because I know we're going to go there. <laughs> uh, the only other time this word is used in the New Testament, it means to steal. Uh, and that's in Titus 2, 10, but I'm going to read 9 and 10 just for the context. It says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching of God our Savior attractive. And uh, there's speculation that as husband and wife, they made a vow to give the whole amount, but then changed their mind and handed over only part. And the key word there would be vow. And so, like, because again... We have to talk about the issue with this is not them saying, you know, um, we're we're not giving everything because that sounds so legalistic. Yeah, and that's not what the case of it all it is at all. The case of it is that they said we're giving the full amount when that's not the truth. Yeah, that's true, and that you know that's that's one of the things uh, one of the questions that I was asking myself. This seems a little harsh. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it seems like there's been worse things people have done with much less punishment. Yeah, and but when you dissect it, um, there there was more going on in the heart. There was more heart issues than at first read you, you can pull from mm-hmm. that. Yeah, um, if you continue on in the story, even Peter confronting Ananias. The way that he says this to him, he says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. And when you look at that word filled, it means inhabited or fulfilled. And um, it's used 90 times in the New Testament. So there wow. wasn't like any specific like, oh, you can pinpoint this as, a, as another instance. But yeah. that word filled um, to a lot of commentators, it really meant a lot because it was basically like spiritually charged or it was um, that they were being coerced by the devil, that that as the early church was growing, that Satan couldn't get to it from the outside, so he had to come to the inside. And one commentator said, Ananias and Sapphira were satanically inspired in contrast to Barnabas's spirit-filled gesture. Oh, wow. That is some, that's some harsh language. Yes. Yeah. But it, it shed some light on, on what was going on beneath the surface, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, um, the whole underlying issue of the satanic influence was was pride. Yeah. And, and it's like, why would you lie to the Holy Spirit? Did you want the acknowledgement? Um, <laughs> this is one of those things where uh, if you're just a Bible student, this is kind of a compelling verse. Um, this is something that we would talk about in the preparation for presenting the Trinity. But Peter says in verse three, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? And then in verse four, he says, you didn't lie to, 
only humans, but you also lied to God. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of separating oh, that there. I okay. thought that's interesting to point out. But um, we also know that now Ananias, when he heard this, he fell down and died. And I found this from Morgan, uh, one of the commentators. He says, Peter was probably more surprised than anyone else when Ananias fell down dead. Observe that Peter said no word to Ananias about his death. The sentence was not calling down upon a man a curse at the will of a church official, the death of Ananias was an act of God. Hmm. Well, that's funny you say that because I was reading some commentaries too, and that was a uh, that was a point of question. Okay, did Peter himself kill Ananias and Sapphira? Oh wow! Uh, some of the commentary I saw out there pointed to the fact that Peter, among the other apostles like Paul, they were able to perform uh, miracles like Jesus after Pentecost and scriptures that were brought forth uh, relating to this this whole idea was like John 14, 12, um, that says, you will do not only the works that I do, but greater works you will do. Uh, Matthew 18, 18 and 19 says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So both of these scriptures are speaking about believers being able to perform supernatural acts with the Spirit of God in them. And that last Matthew 18 scripture is saying that God in heaven will agree with a true believer on earth below. And it is referring to this power in the context of church discipline. So, you know, we have this, we're dealing with Ananias and Sapphira in kind of a church discipline. Not church discipline, but this is discipline, Mm -hmm. clearly. Yeah. Um, But the question remains, was in fact Peter who called this power down upon Ananias and Sapphira, and maybe God just agreed with the verdict? And, you know, though we can't know the details of how this whole thing came together, like the quantum mechanics of it, I don't think that Peter or anyone else there exerted their Holy Spirit power to intentionally kill the man and wife. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a scripture to back that up, but I do have this. If you'll remember in our profile on the Apostle Philip, which is found in Acts 8, and, and remember, this would be sometime after this incident with Ananias and Sapphira. But in Acts 8, we saw that the character Simon the Sorcerer, who after seeing the Holy Spirit come upon people, he tried to buy this power from Peter and John. And Peter answered him in verse 20 through 23. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord and hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. So in this scene with Simon the sorcerer, you can almost hear the desperation in Peter's voice begging Simon to repent of what he tried to do. Hmm. And I can't help but wonder if Peter didn't have a flashback of what had happened to Ananias and Sapphira back in chapter 5. Uh, Peter seemed to be in the mindset of, please repent of this because I know how precious the gift of the Spirit is and how powerful God is. Yeah. And I saw what he did in a situation like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I think of the Old Testament concept of our God being a jealous God when it comes to an idolatrous heart and his people and how that translated to punishment. 
And this concept carried into the New Testament with scriptures like James 4, 5, that says, Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Mm. So Peter was well aware of how God reacted to certain situations. And I don't believe that, that Peter was the one who caused this death with Ananias and Sapphira, but he knew what could happen when God's jealousy was aroused. Yeah. And I, I think that's why he pleaded with Simon the sorcerer to repent, because he didn't want to see the same thing happen to him that happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. Uh, I, one of the people that I read actually mentioned that, and they they implied that Peter was cringing as Simon the sorcerer was doing some of the things that he did, up until the point where he at least says, no, please pray to the Lord for me that that doesn't happen. And, yes. uh, you know, you almost have that, like, I, I know it's been joked about in some Christian circles that I've heard where somebody will say something that's a little bit on the fringe and you're like, back up, the light is going to strike, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, yeah. clear a path, you know? And, yeah. um, it's one of those things where to me, again, Peter probably was scarred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, probably some PTSD almost. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think that he thought in any way, shape, or form that they were going to, to just die. No, I don't I, think I mean, so either. I know that um, there was like a word of knowledge, especially as a spiritual gift displayed in him saying, uh, did you really sell it for this? Mm-hmm. Because God in his infinite wisdom, and and we'll talk about why this is happening right at this point in the early church, but he saw it fit to reveal this to Peter that, hey, this is not all above board. There's some dishonesty going here. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if God only revealed that they didn't sell it for this and there was some deception being had, or if he says, all right, Peter, there's deception and get ready for fireworks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because... Again, like Morgan said, it's not like Peter cursed them and was like, well, you lied to me now, you know, Yes. now let God's wrath fall upon you. He didn't put a curse on them or anything like that, as as that's he so eloquently said. Yeah. Well, you know, and I almost, and I'm not saying everybody that takes this stance is, is a skeptic, but I, I look at the the thought of Peter doing the killing, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a skeptics type of stance, yeah. because it's almost like, listen, our cult is doing really good right now. Yeah. We don't need you doing this. So you're <laughs> going to be, and we're going to take the oh, situation gosh. into our own hands. That's so scary. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I almost, I almost feel like that's uh that's really out in left field mm-hmm. to take that stance. I mean, it's pretty clear. And like you said, a word of knowledge, <laughs> Peter's first sermon was one of those. Yeah. I mean, he would, Peter really had foot and mouth syndrome. Yeah. He, he was never an eloquent guy that stood up and, and spoke profoundly, <laughs> but God, he was using Peter at this time in yeah. that way. I'm kind of chuckling because all I could think of was like, wow, what a nice donation. I don't think you sold it for this. Are you thirsty? Would you like some Kool-Aid? <laughs> 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 Take drink it all. Pulling an old know. Jim Jones. Yeah, exactly. Which is so, uh, it's dark. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, forgive our dark humor. <laughs> Please. But, I mean... For him to take matters into his own hands would be so yeah. outside the realm. 
Yeah, and I, it looks a lot like that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that anyone would present that. Yeah, I saw. I didn't see a lot of it, but I saw a couple. Yeah. A couple. There's always those stray commentators. Yeah. Well, you made me think, <laughs> and, and I don't have this right off the top of my head. Maybe you can uh, remember the story too, but um, I think it's an Old Testament prophet, or even Elijah, or and basically it's like. I, you know, maybe they were sent to come and arrest him. I know I'm, I could be getting my stories crossed, but it was basically like, if you're Elijah, then come down. And he's like, if I am Elijah, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your men. And I think there was that instance where that happened twice. And then finally the third commander came and was like, please don't kill us. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll go with you. Um, yeah. I, I want to say that's in like second Kings chapter one. Yeah. It's ringing a bell. Okay. But I, I don't know the address. Okay. It just, that's one of those areas where he had authority from the Lord to actually call fire down from heaven and, yes and then later on in the new testament james and john were like we can do this too the yeah. the sons of thunder yeah yeah which i don't think ever actually happened because jesus is like we're in the era of grace yeah which is why this is such an amazing part of this story it really is it is and that's one of the things that i kept thinking too is the age of grace yet we have this this very old testament way mm-hmm. of someone dropping dead yeah. And it, it is, and that, that kind of leads us into this next portion. It's kind of a, it's the intertestamental period, <laughs> but it relates because God is the same God in the Old Testament that he is the new. And this is something that I'm going to get into a little bit here in a minute, but um, I'm glad you say that because the next question that I have is, you know, if Peter didn't do this, and we don't think he did, mm-hmm. why did God? Yes. Um, and, and the question actually takes us back to another profile we did, which is Nadab and Abihu. And one of the things we discussed in that episode was the fact that God seems to have this method of using extreme examples at the beginning of big changes he's making. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Nadab and Abihu, God was instituting the priesthood, and he wanted the children of Israel to know going forward, this is the system that I'm putting into place, and it's to be sacred. Yes. And when Nadab and Abihu treated that system God put into place in a way that was not sacred, God killed them both. Yeah. Just like he did with Ananias and Sapphira with this sacred system. Yes. They just, they fell down dead. Yeah. Yeah, it was tragic. But we talked about burning profane fire in front of the Lord and that not representing it or reverencing his holiness. Yeah. And again, you might be thinking, how did the actions of Ananias and Sapphira relate to what happened? How did not tithing enough cause their mm-hmm. death? You know, in some people's mind at first reading, and we, we talked a little bit about that there was more going on yes. than that. There yeah. was. There was some things in their heart that led to this. Yeah, because I keep going back to that question of like, why did this happen? Because, of course, it's not about them not giving their full amount. Yeah. But it's more about, I've landed on hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. It's about lying to God about who they were because we're all hypocrites to a degree and we're all going to be found short. But this is something that I went through a lot, uh, even 
um, in high school and, and even part of my personal walk with God is, is being an actor, is putting on a face because hypocrisy is deliberate deception, trying to make people think that we are more spiritual than we really are. And uh, to find this quote, somebody said, they build the front just like St. Mark's or like Minister Abbey. And then as if to cheat the Lord, they make the back parts shabby. And with um, Ananias and Sapphira's hypocrisy, what they were trying to do is put on all these airs and, and, and they were trying to make themselves look better. And in essence, I feel like God doing this was showing right off the bat that this wasn't going to be acceptable yeah. in the early church. It was very Pharisee-like. Yeah. Um, I, I did see some commentators talk about the different things that might have been going on in their hearts as they premeditated this. Mm-hmm. And some of the things they said were maybe they weren't even real believers and were just playing a part for social status yes. among the early church. Yeah. And um, I, I did think to myself a little bit that there could have been some... some uh, less dangerous belief systems to, mm-hmm. to get a part of if they <laughs> may, maybe they just uh, desired that big fish in a small pond type of thing yeah. but um yeah it, it was extremely pharisee like it was to put on a show and jesus i mean we know the clash that jesus constantly had with the pharisees mm-hmm. um it was about the appearance yes and, yeah. yeah and and going back to where it said that satan had energized this lie uh, is that they started to act like Satan because they wanted to be esteemed like Barnabas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and one commentator said that pride was the first peer and president of hell because you see that's exactly what happened that swayed Satan when you see his fall from grace in Isaiah chapter 14. It says, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, you were the most majestic of all created beings until you said that I will be like, the most holy. Yeah. And that's the lie that he actually influenced Adam and Eve with in the Garden of Eden was you will be like God. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, that was when sin fractured the world and and separated us from God for eternity, save Jesus coming to to bridge that gap. Yeah. And so you have um, God in this moment wanting to establish some holiness because um, somebody pointed out that earlier in the book of Acts in chapter four, verse 33, it says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. And now because of the story, it says, and great fear was seen throughout the church. And um, we we just see that progressively, you need all these three things in order to really revere God righteously. And fear not isn't like, oh, he's smite me, mighty smiter. You know, it's not like that. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptantly with reverence acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. And later on, uh, even in Acts chapter five, verse 13, it says, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. This really did establish a pace 
yeah. for the Christian believers that that it wasn't going to just be a come one, come all kind of circus. Yeah. It was actually going to be taken seriously. And, and that's where I feel like this um, dawn of a new beginning God's judgment came through and, and he was establishing a pattern for this, uh, like he did with Nadab and Abihu and also like he did with Achan, like he did in Joshua chapter six and seven, when the children of Israel were just coming into the promised land. And God said, this first conquest, the conquest of the city of Jericho, don't take anything, leave it for me. Uh, and then everything after that can be yours. But we know that Achan saw a Babylonian robe and a piece of gold and some silver and was like, I gotta have, I gots to have that, yeah. you know? And there was that same uh, feeling of greed and possessions that just locked in on him. And um, as they rooted him out, he never confessed his sin. As they rooted him out, all of a sudden he was judged and his whole family was, was slain. Yeah, and and his decision also cost the lives of some people that were innocent as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was his uh, decision to do that, but every like the sheep, the goats, his the puppy, you know, the well, family. Well, I'm talking dog. about the people who lost the battle. Yes, you know? yes, because the next town over, Ai, they went to, and Joshua was like, "We don't even have to send our whole army." Yeah, and they went up, and I think it says about thirty six men were killed. Yeah, the and, whole reason that they realized something was wrong is that they lost that battle. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. were like, well, something's not right. Yeah, and it, it's really... <laughs> anyway, you could go a lot with that story because Joshua goes back and throws a temperament with, with the Lord and yeah. God's like, get up. Don't yeah. you know there's sin in the camp? And and they eventually go to Achan and they say, give glory to God. And he has a chance to, to at least repent, but he, does, he doesn't. He waits so, to the very last yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. And God does. He makes his example so people remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think as a parent, I, I do very similar things with my kids. Um, there's times where when I have to punish them, they're afraid because not they have reverence for me, but because of the punishment. Mm-hmm. But I do those things because I want them to remember not to run out in the street because I don't want that car yes. to run them over. Yeah. I don't want them to do things that are going to harm them. And while it seems cruel as a child... Um, it's it's a life saving blessing that they recognize as an adult. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's it, yeah. Anyway, um, before we move too much further, okay. do you mind if I present one more um, angle of Ananias and Sapphira? Because we we talked about um, them being just straight up Pharisees, mm-hmm. only in it for. But I did see um, some commentators said that maybe they really did want to be believers, but like the rich young ruler, they just couldn't give up that last piece of the puzzle. Sure, yeah, um, please go for it. Yeah, so I, I really do wonder about that because I think of scriptures like Revelation three fifteen and 16 that says, I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one, but because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And, you know, it's all in when you're a Christian. And I, I think that's what might have tripped them up or, you know, even some of us. The other day I heard... Um, the term two percenters, and it was pointing out that many of us will confide in people up to 98% of our our true nature, depending on how close we might get with certain people. But it's that 2% referred to um, this the skeletons in our closet that we wouldn't dare bring to the surface, uh, the things we wouldn't confess to even our dearest friend. And it was brought up that sometimes we do that with God. 
we desperately want to know God and to follow the way of truth, but there's that last 2% of our nature that for whatever reason, we won't allow ourselves to give up. And uh, God says, I need all of it. Give it to me and I'll make Mm -hmm. you clean. And while we know it had nothing to do with the amount of money that they gave, uh, it very well could have been the love of money that made them hold back that last 2%, just like the rich young ruler. Mm. They just couldn't give it up. Yeah. And so I think that's that's kind of where I lean at the end of, of their story of what might have been going on. But And that could have led to a Pharisee-like, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been a little bit of everything. Yeah. A perfect storm of just not doing what God asked yeah, and fully giving yourself to him. Well, it's interesting when you talk about this, because I mean, if you're doing research on this, I find that almost split down the middle, the amount of biblical scholars and theologians who say that they weren't of the faith yeah, and that they were just playing church and that they didn't even, um, they didn't even regard God's knowledge of their lie in their equation of saying, yeah, we did it. You know, we sold it for this much Mm -hmm. because they didn't think that he existed enough to care. And like you said, there's a lot safer ways to be a part of a a community. So I I do feel like um, that might be a stretch. I know Spurgeon called them chaff. He was like, the chaff have been blown away as they, uh, a married couple went to hell. And I'm like, oh, that's that's really like strong. Lays it down. Yeah. And so you have 50% leaning this way. And then you have another 50% saying, no, that they were saved in the context of Acts chapter four, continuing into Acts chapter five, it says all the believers, and it seems to include them in that in that thought. Um, and then one other even said that um, the evidence of them receiving discipline, like you were just talking about with your kids, is that um, if if they weren't legitimate children. God might have not even done anything, even though we talked about how typically at the beginning of a new work, he uses a pretty strong example. So yeah. it's just one of those things where this story does a lot of times leave you with more questions than answers, Yeah, but I think it also makes us check our hearts better. For sure. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you say that because um, with, with the whole, they might've been believers because there, there was false teachers peddling the word of God mm-hmm. that were blatantly not of the faith. Yes. Paul talks a lot about them. Yeah. And so they, they were doing it, you yeah. know, they were doing yeah. worse, I would yeah. say, but maybe it's the extreme example with a true believer that had to happen. Yeah. And, and I don't want to read the whole thing because it's really long, but it's really powerful. John Piper penned a poem. That's a lot of peas right there. Piper <laughs> penned a poem about Peter. Peter Piper penned a poem. <laughs> yeah. He, he, <laughs> (laughs) He he wrote a poem about Peter uh, basically right after this this showdown with Ananias and Sapphira, who have both just lied to him and both just dropped dead. And the context of it is that Peter goes out in the middle of the night and he finds somewhere uh, in the wilderness to just sit and contemplate. And he starts crying because all he can think about is the, the thud that Ananias made as he hit the ground and the contemplation of his own sin. And he goes... Um, in a very, again, eloquent way, he says, God, wasn't my sin worse? 
And, and God says, yes. And he's like, if, if I were to judge all sin, y'all would be dropping like flies essentially. And I'm not doing it any justice, but, um, what he ends up saying is that Peter, I had to use this example specifically for this nature, but yeah, um, it's only by grace that you're saved and you need to walk in that grace. And, and, um, it's just one of those things where the more that you look at this story, the less of a hypocrite you want to be because of the nature of it. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, this last part that I really have to add to to this story is in regard to reverence and fear for God, because that, that plays such a big part in this story. And I'm not going to lie, this was a difficult portion for me to lay out because of how serious it is. But uh, one pastor says this, Today a whole lot of people are learning about grace who haven't learned about the fear of God. You have to learn about the fear of God before you can learn to appreciate the grace of God. Otherwise you get a false grace. And this quote really hit home for me because the fear of God these days, if it's even talked about, is usually watered down, or it's discounted as a, an Old Testament idea that, that doesn't really exist anymore. And I, I really want to clarify a few things with with um, a deeper look on this subject, because I know we've discussed reverence for God um, in other episodes, which represents a type of fear, it can, but God has given us the example of Ananias and Sapphira to show us that He is the same God in the New Testament as He was in the Old And he gives us these extreme reminders through examples like Nadab and Abihu, Ananias and Sapphira throughout history to keep us sober-minded in who he is and how he is to be revered. Mm -hmm. And while it might be more comfortable and socially accepted to say that uh, punishment and fear don't exist in the age of grace, that's not true. And I want to lay out two types of fear that the Bible talks about. And the first is healthy fear. Um, healthy fear is 100% tied to reverence for God. It's not a walking on eggshells type of fear. It's not a doubting your salvation type of fear. It's not a crippling fear that causes Christians to give up. If you're an abiding Christian and you are feeling any of those fears, then it's those are attacks from Satan. Mm. Now, we can have check engine lights that show up as warnings that are healthy, but those will show up in feelings of conviction, not fear of condemnation. So healthy fear for abiding believers is the type that shows up in scriptures like Isaiah 11, 2 through 3, which is talking about the spirit of God that Jesus will have. And it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. We know Jesus wasn't afraid of God, Mm. yet we see a delight that can be had in the fear of the Lord. It's a reverential fear that leads to a deeper understanding of his power, that it leads to praise and obedience. Uh, For us, this type of fear is is what Paul speaks of in Philippians 2.12, where he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I don't think this is a fear of constantly looking over your shoulder thinking God's going to smack you, like you said earlier, Josh. Um, This is an action that a believer takes where we look into our own heart and we say, I know how good my God is, and I know how precious the gift of Jesus is. And I never want to cross that line spoken of in Hebrews 6.4 where I choose the path that nails Jesus back on that cross of public shame. And that is a healthy fear, a fear that leads to a constant repentance because we know the treasure of grace. 
Ananias and Sapphira did not approach the commitment of following Jesus with that kind of fear. And God used their lack of reverence. Uh, we see in uh, Acts 5.11, when after they died, it says a great fear came over the whole church and all who heard about these things. It was a warning of, of an even greater danger. So with all that being said, I, I do want to discuss a fear that, that also can come upon a lukewarm believer or someone who poses as a believer that is some stern warnings that we can see in Scripture. Josh, do you have anything you want to add before I jump into those? No, no, please keep going. Okay, all right. Um, I'm going to preface these Scriptures by saying uh, I believe these are in the Bible for those who are getting close to that line in 1 John 5.16 that speaks of that sin that leads to death. We discussed that earlier. Uh, in other words, a constant growth in sin where you feed your old nature instead of your new nature in Christ. And each of us has to look into our own heart and ask these questions. Am I backsliding? Am I living in a way where the new creation I am supposed to be is fading into non-existence? And these scriptures that I'm about to read are meant to, to be a sort of firewall for a believer to read and turn around in repentance. Because God does not want us to take that path. Mm -hmm. But he also won't force us to repent. So here are those scriptures. Second Peter 2, 20-21. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed to them. Hebrews 6, 4. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the work of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Hebrews 10.26 If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And listeners, I know that this might have been a really uncomfortable portion of the episode. It was really uncomfortable for me to write, but sometimes confronting the truth in our lives can be uncomfortable. And God really laid that on my heart because I look at at least American Western Christianity mm -hmm. And I see a lot of things that aren't right. There's not real heart change in a lot of situations that I see. There's a lot of trendiness. There's a lot of community. That's what Ananias and Sapphira were after. They were after that, um, that trendiness, mm -hmm. that Pharisee-like look at me. Recognition it, by man. Yes, exactly. And so I, I just, that was laid on my heart by God and I knew I had to say it and yeah. I, I didn't even want to, yeah. but I, I've got to say what God, you know, puts on my heart. And I would just say more than any point made in this episode on how not to be, the one I hope you take away is that you are only one step away from complete freedom in Jesus. Yes. I don't want to leave you on a note of <laughs> you're going to burn in hell because that's not what God has for you. That's not what God wants from you. And um, when you're in Christ, you, you should not have a spirit of fear. No. Uh, you're going to be completely secure in his redemption and strength. But for those who are walking on the edge knowingly, 
Mm-hmm. And those who are toying with this idea and not fully surrendered to it, those scriptures are there to give you fear mm-hmm. so that you'll turn around. Yeah. And I had to mention that. Yeah. You can't serve two masters at once. One's going to win out. Yeah. Jesus said that specifically. And if you feel like, you know, with Ananias and Sapphira, if they, if, if it wasn't even sincere or if they were toying with mm-hmm. sin, James clearly says sin when it's fully grown, yeah. it leads to death and, and it will consume you. And can I read one more scripture oh, that Jesus uh, gave John in Revelation? Uh, it's chapter 3, 1 through 3. And I feel like this is the perfect um, words from Jesus to you, if that might be where you find yourself. Mm-hmm. He says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come to you. Mm. And I think while some might read that as a a downer, that is not a downer. That is Jesus saying, it doesn't matter how close to this line that is making you feel this dread in your heart right now. Mm. I am faithful to forgive your sins if you repent. You can change that now. Yes. Yeah. Um, two things. So I always do that. Two things. Uh, Chris Tomlin, he wrote a song about the prodigal son, and the chorus melts my heart. It says, come home running. His arms are open wide. His name is Jesus, and he understands. He is the answer that you are looking for. Come home running just as you are. You know. And I feel like even the prodigal, when he rejected his father, to a degree he always knew that as while he was walking in this bad lifestyle, his dad was still there for him. Yeah. You know, and for those that are out there walking that line, that is a scary place, but it's only one step back towards the father, you know, and um, the beautiful part of that story is as the son was coming home, his dad ran to meet him and, you know, he was so excited to see him. And, you know, there's a whole thing about Jewish men don't run, (laughs) you know, it's undignified. (laughs) And yet God being represented in the story is going for him. And, and even the older prodigal, the older brother, you know, there was that heart of like, come back, come home. Mm-hmm. And um, there's another verse in Revelation where Jesus is speaking that I wanted to mention. It's Revelation 2.23. It says, all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each one of you according to your deeds. Because that's the thing that Ananias and Sapphira may not have taken into account, is that God knows what goes in in our hearts and our minds. And we're going to be accountable to him for those things, you know? And so it doesn't matter if there's the people that we let in 98% yeah. or the people that get that other 2%, God gets a hundred percent and we can't fool him. Yeah. And the truth is, is we wouldn't want to because he knows and he still loves us. I, I, there 
I keep speaking in songs, but there's a song that we used to sing that says, he knows my name, he knows my every thought. And I had a friend who used to echo and he still loves me because (laughs) the heart is deceitful and and exceedingly wicked. And yet God still loves us because he's redeemed us and he's made us. And so the hope is, is that we can check ourselves before we enter into the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira. And before we walk in those steps of going, you know what? I reject this or I'm playing too close to the edge. We should never ask how far the line is because we should never get close enough to see it. Yeah. And and if we do and you find yourself, you've been walking blind for a long time Mm -hmm. and you find yourself at that moment, you're like, oh my goodness, I just read those scriptures and I realize I'm there. I love what you just brought with the prodigal son because that that phrase of God meets you where you're at, Mm -hmm. that is so true. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some people with a very false idea that you have to crawl your way back to righteousness. Mm -hmm. It is when you're at your lowest point that God meets you where you're at, and that's that's what's so memorable about his grace and his mercy is that he meets you there when you know you couldn't have done it. Yes. I'll never forget David writing Psalm 139. Where can I go from your presence or where can I flee from your spirit? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths or in Sheol, in hell, even there you are, you know, and he says, if I ride on the wings of the dawn, your your right arm can still grab me. There's nowhere that we are outside of the reach of God's loving hand where he can meet us. Yeah. That's so true. While we have breath in our lungs. Yes, yes, while we have breath in our lungs. And and that's the hope that we can take away from this episode is is examining our lives. And and again, it does, to a a great degree, um, open a lot more questions than it has answers for. (laughs) But there is a lot of application to go, okay... Is there hypocrisy in my life? Um, yeah. Because it, it it is all about looking inward and, and seeing if there's anything that we're um, doing of either A, lying to ourselves, because that happens a lot, yes. where we deceive ourselves about our own um, spirituality or our own hypocrisy. And then B, are we lying to God in any way, shape or form? Mm-hmm. Because even if we think we are, we can't. Yeah. You know, and so I think the application there is really powerful because it reveals our um, intent, it reveals our purpose, and it even reveals sometimes the the nature of our hearts. Yes, I found um, this, and this is the last thing I have to say. But two of the effects of believing in Jesus are that the heart is loosened in relationship to things and tightened in its relationship to people. When you become united to Jesus by faith, you become united to people by love. And I think that's a good spiritual barometer in our lives is how caught up in material possessions are we? And then the other thing is how much are we showing the love of God to other people? Yeah. And if one is far outweighing the other, then I think it's a good indicator of where our heart is and where our treasure is. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. And and you can ask God, hey, I, I can't fix this. Yes. Like even if you you pinpoint it and you're like, I see this is where I'm very off. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how to do it. That's where God comes in. Yes. Ask Him to help you. Ask yeah. and you'll receive. Yes. 
So, yeah. Anyway, I feel like the episode started with some, like, almost some joyful energy, and then we just... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it got dark. (laughs) But... um, Let's pull it back out. (laughs) You know, that's the way God works, isn't it? We we come to these topics in the Bible, and we discuss things that He lays on our hearts, and I I just pray there's someone out there that this episode uplifted. Mm -hmm. And so um, we are glad that you're here with us, even on an episode as this. And uh, we we pray that, that you can reach out to us if you have questions, if you have concerns. Maybe you're really down. Whatever it is, please reach out to us and uh, touch base with us. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to reach out to us, then please, um, you can connect to us by our Facebook, or you can also send an email at connect at You're not alone. And while God is only just one prayer or one step away, we're also only one electronic type of uh, (laughs) um, mail correspondence away. Because if you send us a message, we will, we will respond to you as quickly as we can. Yeah. If you have a, a, a world-class grade-A carrier pigeon, whatever it takes, get a hold of us. Yeah. I don't speak smoke signal, but I will learn. I'm sure there's probably a YouTube video on how to how to figure that out. I guarantee there is. Yeah. <laughs> All joking aside, guys, we love you, and we, we're glad that you tune in with us. Um, please reach out, like we just said, and... Uh, and let us know if there's anything we can be praying for you about, too. Yeah, and maybe there's a less dark um, couple in the Bible yeah. other than Ananias and Sapphira that need to be profiled. If you have a profile that you would like to request, then please send that in, and, and we will try to get that added to the schedule again as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so snake birds, always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. Don't be like Ananias and Sapphira and be a snake bird. I was trying to swing for the fences with a good segue. Oh, were you want you? Yeah, I'm not ready yet. Ah, Sorry, I was so close. <laughs> okay, Cheeks. let me <laughs> just a second. Oh, coffee. Cheeks, coffee. Cheeks. <laughs> you said you reminded me of sloth, Ruth, baby. <laughs> Sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle which fits them all. Not very nice. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that fits. Let's, let, I'll, I'll wait for that. Do you? Okay. You want me to just go ahead? Yeah. <laughs> the ancient Greek word for kept back is no. Is nosphizoma. <laughs> I listened to it earlier. Now it's gone. Okay. Because God is the same. Sorry. Don't be like Ananias and Sapphira and be a snake bird. Or else you'll drop dead.